Well, good morning, Elkdale Baptist Church. Let's take our Bibles and turn to Proverbs chapter 24. Proverbs 24 this morning, verse 3. We're going to use this kind of as a jumping off place and diving into our message. We've been involved in a series of messages, God's Blueprint for Family Relationships. We've looked at Christian marriage. We've looked at the Christian family. Last Sunday, we looked at uh, loving husbands and fathers. And today, we want to look at Christian as parenting as our closing message. Now, I grew up in that era where Art Linklater was on uh, television. It always had this segment that the children say the darndest things. And uh, I think there's a remake of that uh, as I was scrolling through the, the TV the other day, uh, something along that same line. I've always loved what children had to say. Uh, they, they can say the funniest things. And uh, I, I heard the story about a little boy in a first grade Sunday school class and the teacher was teaching about uh, the Ten Commandments and, and how you're supposed to treat your parents. And so she taught about uh, that uh, we're to honor our mothers and our fathers. That's how you're supposed to treat your parents. You're supposed to honor them. And then the teacher said, and what, what commandment uh, teaches us about how we're supposed to treat our brothers and sisters? And one little boy, I mean, he just spoke right out. He says, thou shalt not kill. And so... <laughs> Uh, I, I, he may have had it just right, just plugged right, just right. If some of you had a brother like I did, I had two brothers, and one of them, he was a challenge at times. Of course, I think that's what he thought of me too, as his older brother. Uh, I heard another story about a young boy, and he announced to his family after church they were riding home, and he announced to his parents, he said, "I'm going to be a preacher when I when I grow up. I'm going to be the preacher." And they said, "Well, why did you choose to do that?" And the little boy said, "Well." I have to go to church anyway. I might as well be the one that stands up there and yells instead of sit down and listen. You know, so <laughs> I think he had that picked right maybe a little bit as well. But we want to talk about families today. Um, I grew up, as I mentioned a, a moment ago, with two brothers, but I also had a sister. And a sister was about a year younger than me, a brother two years younger, and a brother nine years younger than me. And I grew up in that time, and we have all kinds of sitcoms, but mine was the time with uh, Father Knows Best, The Donner Reed Show, you know, Ozzie and Harriet, Leave It to Beaver. Uh, some of you are shaking your heads. Uh, so, you know, I grew up with a real understanding what a realistic family was about. No, no, I didn't. All right? It, it was just 26 months after Arlinda and I married that God blessed us with a little boy. And uh, we... Um, as, as we brought that little boy home, and I happened to see a picture. Our Linda's making some albums for our children with all their pictures, and she's working on, our, on one of our daughters. And she had a picture of us uh, bringing that boy home from the hospital in our little apartment that we had in West Palm Beach. And so it brought back all kinds of memories. But you know, that little boy didn't come with an owner's manual, all right? He did not have an owner's manual attached to him. But what we did have was this. We had some fairly good models with our parents. And we had God's word. We had good sense. And we had love. We had commitment. And we had a desire to bring our son up in a godly way. Now, we weren't perfect at it. We weren't perfect at all. Just like all of us, we share. We had, uh, had some great successes. We had failures along the way. But at least we were moving in the direction that we felt that God wanted us to move with family. One of the things that we did learn along the way was we were never to live for our children. They were not to dominate our life. We weren't to live for them. Who are we to live for? We're to live for God. 
We live for God. We live for our Savior, Jesus Christ. And we were reminded time and time again, and I've often used it in baby dedications, that our children are just gifts from God. And we need to hold them lightly because we have to give them back to God. See, just as God had a plan for my life and my wife, God's had a plan for your life, He has a plan for our children as well. Let me just tell you briefly about God's plan for us. I mean, it, it's obvious. You've heard my testimony already after so many weeks of our, of our life. But God called us into ministry, and Arlinda accepted that as a, as a partner, as a wife and a partner in ministry. So we've been partners in this calling for, uh, for, for many, many years now. And so as, in that calling, that meant we had to do what God wanted us to do. We surrendered to wherever he would lead us. And so God led us uh, way out to Texas uh, to go to seminary and then back to Florida uh, for a, a four-year stint in Gulf Breeze near Pensacola and then to Enterprise and then to Pravel. And so all during that time, except for just a brief four-year period when my parents moved back to the Pensacola area, our children didn't grow up with their parents, uh, with their grandparents, not around uncles and aunts. Now, God blessed us. He blessed us with some wonderful grandparents in the churches and uncles and aunts and plenty of cousins and lifelong friends. And so we were very, very blessed to be in that. But that was God's plan for us. And in doing that, we recognized that our children were just gifts during this time. And we had a responsibility of providing, protecting, and nurturing, and teaching along the way. So learning through God's word, through wonderful models and examples, and his plan for us, and not always having parents, the grandparents around, and uncles and aunts to assist us, we did learn some principles that I want to share with you today that I think is applicable to all of us. One of the things that we did learn about bringing the children in all of their age groups, at first we had to give our children a lot of guidance. So from about preschool through close to fifth grade, sixth grade, we gave them a lot of guidance. And then from about sixth grade through their high school years, we did a, did a lot of coaching. And then uh, in their college years, we did a lot of counseling. And after they were out on their own with their families, we've done a lot of consulting. And that's probably the way it should be for us. There are degrees of growing and helping them and moving them along so they can be what God wants them to be. So this morning, let's look at three particular principles. Let's use our uh, key verse here in verse uh, 3 of Proverbs 24 that will give us kind of a kickstart. We find uh, Solomon saying these words, By wisdom a house is built, and through understanding it is established. We need more than just love to bring up our kids. We need wisdom. And so parents, we need to make some wise choices that will follow with wise actions and be the wise parents that our children need in bringing them up in our, in our world. And as we do this, we recognize for some of us, that's been pretty easy. For some of you, it's been somewhat easy to bring your children up. For most of us, it's been a challenge. And it's, and it, it's fraught with difficulties along the way. But if we have followed God's plan and will follow God's plan, I think you're going to find that you're going to do exactly what God wanted you to do. And that is the goal of raising godly children and having healthy families. So let's look at these three ways. Number one, we need to prepare our children for life. You need to prepare your children for life. 
I mean, that seems like an obvious goal. But remember, your children are in your home. You have principal responsibility of teaching them. That your home is to be the chief learning center for your children because they have opportunities there early on, and it's your responsibility. Like, you teach them how to walk, how to talk, do all those kind of things, right? Isn't that what you do the first two years? You teach them how to walk and talk? Then you spend the next 16 years telling them to sit down and be quiet, right? <laughs> but it's your home that you're teaching them some life skills along the way. Remember Jesus' passage uh, to speaking about Jesus in Luke 2.52. Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. I mean, that's, that's a wonderful verse. That's what Mary and Joseph did for Jesus. That's what we ought to be doing for our children, very simply. I could stop there. I won't, but I could stop there. All right? And if you just made that your goal, to balance teaching by first helping them to grow in wisdom. That's just education. That's the mental part. That's knowledge. And then help them to grow physically in stature. Uh, f making sure they have the right food, the right diet, uh, rest, exercise, all those things that they grow physically and physically strong. But they grow in favor with God. That's spiritual. Always directing them toward God. And that they grow also socially, that they grow in favor with man. Again, we could stop there with, the, with talking, but we're going to elaborate just a little bit because there are some other things I want you to understand. As you're preparing your children for life, there are certain things that you'll want to add to that. In, our, in Deuteronomy 6, 7, it says, Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Now, when we see that passage, we know that principally Moses was talking as he gave the Shema that he was talking about parents teaching the commandments, teaching the things of God. So that's the specific thing we always have to do. And our last point will point toward that. But there's a bigger sense as well, and that is everything that a child needs to know, it begins in the home. You prepare them. You help them along the way. So impress upon them, meaning you teach them. You help them. You're guiding them along the way. So what are some things? Well, let me just mention four briefly. One has to do with relationships. For the most part, for good, for bad, for the best, for worst, relationships determine so much of your happiness. Your happiness basically is going to fall or rise on relationships. When you learn how to get along with people, you relate to people, then life's going to be generally pretty happy for you. But if you do not learn how to relate to other folks, then life can be quite miserable for you. The Bible speaks often about relationships. So prepare your children by helping them to understand the social aspects of life, just like Jesus. Now, when we talk about good relationships, we're talking about communications. We're talking about truthfulness. We're talking about being honest. We're also talking about forgiveness because you're going to be hurt and you're going to hurt people yourselves. So along the way in building relationships, you help them with conflict resolution. Teach them how to deal with conflict. Would you not agree that much of what we see in family life today, and it has now permeated its way into our society, culture, our country, people don't know how to deal with anger. They don't know how to deal with disappointments in their life. But anger 
And so it goes back to a family teaching how to get along relationship building and conflict resolution. A second one is character. It is in the home where character is caught more than taught. And character is nothing more but the, the total sum of your choices and your habits. It, it is who you are when people are not watching. It's the choices that you make, the habits that you are involved in. And it comes from family life. A third one has to do with values. We've talked about this in two or three different ways in recent weeks. But values are so, so important. What is important and what is important in your life will result in actions in your life. So what is it that you value? Do you value money? Do you, uh, do you value work? What are, what are the key things in your life that are important to you? And so it comes down to what values there may be. And that also creeps into the spiritual aspects of your life as well. I've had people say to me, well, I'm, I'm gonna, when the children get on up, I'm going to let them decide uh, about church. I'm going to let them decide about spiritual issues and things in their life. You know, there's a Hebrew word for that. Hogwash. All right? Because God is not an option. If you are a Christian, it's not an option in your life and in your family's life. The people that you influence, your wife, your husband, your children. It is not an option. And so you have a responsibility of teaching and guiding, preparing them and sharing with them about the things of God. And so that's part of these values. If you don't do it, somebody else will do it for you. And believe me, Satan will use them to lead the children away from God and lead the children eventually away from you. If, that ha if, if you allow that to happen without you putting into your family teaching and understanding of what family is supposed to be. Now there's a fourth way that we prepare our children, and that's through discipline. Discipline. Without discipline, our homes are chaos. There needs to be discipline in the home. There needs to be those boundaries that are set and an understanding of what the consequences are if you fail to follow what is being taught in the home, what, uh, what the boundaries are of behavior and all of those issues. Now, folks, we, we, when we bring children into our home, we don't have to teach them to disobey or say no, do we? Did anyone here ever teach their children to disobey and to say no? No, no, they came with that because why? They have a sinful nature just like you. We have to teach the children how to be obedient and to follow God's word, how to get along with other people, all these things we've been talking about. But it comes about because of discipline. Now, you may be thinking, well, this is not my children. You know, my, my children, well, but everybody else's children are rebellious. Well, we, we know all children have, have that rebellious streak, have that sinful nature they have to deal with. And we have to face that. And it's important for us to set those boundaries and the discipline because it will help them in every other area of your life. No one wants to be around spoiled, bratty children. And whose responsibility is that to discipline them and to teach them and to guide them? And it can be a struggle. It can be hard. We've all faced that with children misbehaving or, or, or maybe in, in, a, in a department store, grocery store, or whatever. And we've had to have to get on the children, have to discipline the children. We all face that. But we have to be consistent in doing that. 
So parents, let me encourage you. It's necessary first for your home, but it's also for every other area that, that your child's going to be involved in life. So discipline them. Teach them what it means to live a disciplined life because they've got to go out into a real world. They've got to go out into a real world, and they need this discipline, need this guidance. And again, not to keep bringing it back up, but is this not one of the major issues we're facing as a country right now? There are no boundaries, no consequences in certain areas, and disrespect for the law, breaking the law, and disrespecting the authorities that are over us, that are given to us by God. Well, it begins in the home. You teach this in the home. And then it permeates in the church when they go to school, when they're out on their own in the workforce, it will be because you have taught them. One of the worst things that you could ever do to your children is to say, hey, these are the limits, these are the boundaries, these are the consequences. And when they, they test you and they break the rules, they push the boundaries, and you fail to punish them when you said you were going to punish them. That, that's one of the worst things you can do. So be consistent in the discipline and agree, parents, agree what the discipline is going to be. Don't argue in front of your kids about how you're going to discipline the kids and one wanting to be easier, one wanting to be harder. No, you do that privately. You do that away from the children. And then when you're facing the children, then you're consistent. You're, you're together. They see you as being consistent as a husband and wife. Now let's move on. As we think about preparing children for life, let's look at something else. And that has to do with protecting your children in storms. Protecting your children in storms. Notice I didn't say protect your children from storms. They're going to have storms. Jesus said this in John chapter 16, verse 33, um, that, that in our lives, we're going to have troubles. We're going to have tribulations. There are going to be some trials along the way. So you prepare them so that when they face the storms, they're able to get through the storms that may come their, their way because life is full of storms. And your home is to be a safety, uh, safe haven, a safety net for them so when they come back, they feel the security of your home. You remember in, in your studies in school uh, and maybe in movies, you see the old medieval castles that have drawbridges and they have the moats built around them. Everybody goes inside because there's safety inside of that castle. And that's how your home is supposed to be. Your home is supposed to be that safe haven. So let's look at four particular areas that storms that come our way in some general sense. One is change. We're always in the midst of change, constantly change going on. And it may be a new job, maybe school, a new grade. Um, there may be opportunities with money. There's changes with money. We may have to move. There are a number of things that can happen. Relationships change. Our health changes. Uh, we see the changing in politics from a, um, from a Republican-run government to a Democratic-run government. And so there's change that is all around us. Change, while there many, many times is good, it can be stressful on children. And because of the stress, it can create some fear and anxiety in the life of our children. So to help lower the stress, God's given us the family. He's given us the home life. He's given you as parents for your children to be able to come home and feel safe in the home. And where there is stability, 
where everything is uh, on a schedule. This is why it's so important for you to keep schedules for your children. To, when they get up in the morning, there's breakfast at a certain time or lunch or supper and, and bedtime. The this, this stability. Many, many times children that are having difficulties and crises in their life is because they don't have that stability in their home. They don't have the regularity of things in their home. There's not a schedule. And when things are just going here, there, and yonder, they don't feel the security. Why is it that our children love to come get in bed with us when there's a storm going on at night? It's because they feel the security of being in bed with mom and dad. That's the way a home is supposed to be. A second area is failures. There's going to be failure in our lives. And we have to teach our children how to deal with that failure. It may that we fail to get a promotion. Or we uh, don't make the team. Or we fail a test. Everybody fails sometime or another. So we teach our children how to be able to cope with failures that may come in life. And they can come home and they're soothed and they're comforted. And you wipe, <clears throat> wipe the tears out of their eyes. And you're giving them again that sense of, of security. The home is to be the shelter for them in the midst of the storm. Ecclesiastes 4 says, Two are better than one because they have a, a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. One of the expressions that I often told our kids, and, and, and at, it was age appropriate, more when they were junior high, high school, right in there. I said, when they came home and there was a failure, there was an issue, there was a problem, they thought things weren't fair. I said, welcome to the real world. Welcome to the real world. Everything can't be always cozy, always in your favor, always going your way. And I'm here to comfort you. I didn't do it to push them away from me. But I used it as an opportunity to say, hey, there's some lessons to be learned here. When you're out on your own, that's the way it's going to be out there too. And we have to learn. But you've got us for security. We'll love you. We'll help you through it. But know that this is part of the real world. You're going to have to eventually have to deal with that on your own. We're going to help you right now with security know how to deal with this in an appropriate way. Number three, rejection. For those of you that are adults here, you remember the, the time that you were rejected, the time that you were ostracized, the time you were criticized, the time you were pushed away, the time that you weren't picked for a team and to play on a team or to serve on a team. Those things can happen. One, one of the worst areas, some of you will remember this, is being out on the playground. Oh, man, kids can be cruel on a playground, can't they? I mean, they can be ruthless on a playground. And they'll take advantage of anything that is perceived weakness, like eyeglasses. Or if you're a little chubby. Or if you're not as attractive as someone else. Or you have curly hair. Or, or if you're the new kid that is in school. And, and, and it can be terrible, these, these feelings. And maybe it happened to you, and you were young, and you, you didn't know that it really wasn't true what was being said. But you thought it was true at the time, and it was just devastating to your self-esteem. Uh, self well, again, home is supposed to be that, that safety net where it counters those negatives in life, and presents the more positive things for you and your attitude and helping you. But too many homes, let's face it, a lot of homes, it's more like a storm than it should be the safe harbor. 
Mark chapter 3 tells us this, if a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. The home is to be the place of security, of safety for the children, acceptance. And yet if there's strife going on, if there's arguing going on, if there's division going on, it creates a tremendous amount of stress on the child and they feel even more rejected. There's a fourth area and I've kind of taken it out and and maybe similar to some of these others but I've labeled it adversity I've labeled it adversity we have to teach our children how to cope with the adverse things that are going to happen and they will happen in our homes some of us have faced the death of a child some of us have had to face infertility chronic illnesses a job loss And on and on we could go, we could list a multitude of adverse things that can happen to our family. We've got to teach children how to deal with those things that are so common in our life. And we do it by helping them to cope. Coping means that we don't close our eyes and say, well, praise the Lord, this is just how it is. No, 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 no. Coping means that we're going to turn their attention toward God and help them to understand about walking with God in the midst of difficulties, in the midst of crisis that might be uh, they're having to face in their life, to depend on His grace, help them to recognize that we can be survivors and not only be surviving, we can actually thrive in the midst of the adversity. Not long ago, and I've used the word trials for years, trials and tribulations, but I've realized that the, the meaning behind the word trials has to do with the word ambush. A trial means you've been ambushed. You know what being ambushed is? We've seen it on TV. We've seen it on cowboy movies. All of a sudden, you're walking down the street, and someone's trying to mug you, you know, trying to, trying to rob you. They jump out from the side of a building, behind a dumpster, whatever, and, and you've been ambushed. Well, we get ambushed in life a lot with trials and tribulations. And when those trials and tribulations come, we don't have time to run to the church and take a class on how to deal with adversity. We don't have time for it then. How do we deal with it? We deal with it having walked with God in faith, day by day, week by week, month by month. There's the pain, there's the grief, there's the heartache. But if we have walked with God over a a long period of time, We've committed to Him, and all the word commitment means is to walk in the same direction for a long period of time. That's what commitment is. Then we were, are better able to face it and truly not only survive, but thrive. And this leads me to the last point, and that is we need to point our children to God. You need to point your children to God. We've read this the past few weeks. We read it again. Ephesians 6, 4. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. And even though it says fathers, the bigger context has to do with moms as well. Dads and moms, train your children. Instruct them in the Lord. This is a command. It's not an option. It's a command that God gives us. We are to teach our children to know God and to love God. Chip Ingram is uh, one of the great preachers. You hear him on Christian radio. You maybe have read read his books. Um, 
between Arlen and I reading books and teaching, she's teaching many classes on parenting and on marriage relationships and, and having read the books and the materials myself, one of the things that I quote often, he says, it's not our job as parents to make our kids happy. It's our job to make them holy. It's not our job to make them happy. Do you want our kids to be happy? Sure, we want our kids to have some happiness. But our principal job is to make them holy. We're to instruct them in the Lord. Train them, instruct them. But let's face it, some Christian people, some moms and dads, they've done a better job teaching their children how to play sports or how to dance, all the other activities, or, or, to, or, or to be scholar students, and nothing wrong with any of those. But if that's all our children have learned, we have failed. If you've not taught them how to be holy, holy, that's our legacy. Our legacy is not going to be that they made some baseball team or some softball or soccer or volleyball or any extracurricular activity or they've been a straight-A student and graduated with honors. That's not our legacy. Our legacy is that we help them toward God. We move them closer to Jesus. We help them to love Jesus, to know God, to be holy. Now, granted, if they leave our home and they go off and do their thing, and you, you may feel bad about that. You may even feel guilty. Could you have done more? But no, if you have done the right thing, they will be responsible for God, how they live their life after they left your home. You're responsible for whatever time, from a baby through the end of college. That's your responsibility to make them holy. Deuteronomy 6 reminds us, again, formal ways, informal ways, you be as creative as you can. And as you are teaching them and training them, there may be some things you can't talk to them to, uh, a lot about as they're growing up, but some things you can. You can teach them that, hey, we've got a financial issue in our home. But, you know, we're going to trust God. We're going to trust what Paul said in Philippians 4.19. When, when Paul says that God will provide all our needs according to his riches, Christ's riches. Or if we're having difficulty with grief and pain, there's been a loss. Maybe a, a grandparent, a friend, death, whatever. We're going to teach them Hebrews 13, 5. That God will never leave us. He'll never forsake us. There's so many ways and things that we can teach them along the way. Proverbs 9, 11 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. When we teach them to know God, there's understanding in all the other areas that are important of life. Paul said it this way in Philippians 3.8, Yes, everything else is worthless when com compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have discarded everything else, counting it all garbage, so I can gain Christ. There's nothing more important than knowing and loving God. I was thankful for a mother that raised her four children to know God and to love God. My dad wasn't a Christian until I was a freshman in college. He was a good man. He provided. He had some bad habits. He had a foul mouth. He drank beer every now and then. But mom took us to church and kept us in church and taught us to know God and to love God. Yes, dad became a Christian. He made up for a lot of lost time. God gave him the gift of evangelism. He led on a countless number of people. To Christ in his room in that uh, little nursing home when he died at age 88 just four years ago he had four spiritual laws he still was sharing with people a, a witnessing 
a witnessing tool that he grew up on. And so I'm thankful for how my dad ended. He ended well. But I'm so grateful that my mom started us off right. When we think of parenting, it's not going to be an accident. It's going to be intentional. Wise parents making wise decisions. And they will have the greatest opportunity of bringing the children up the way God wants them to be. It begins with a commitment. Is there a mom or dad here who has yet to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? You may be a good parent. You want to be a better parent. Commit your life to Christ. Don't delay in coming to Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 16, verse 34. Remember the story when Paul and Silas are in prison in, in Philippi? And, and the jailer was about to kill himself, and Paul stopped him. Well, the jailer took Paul and Silas to, to his home. He brought all his family in. Verse 34 says, and they all believed. It started with dad. And they all believed, and they followed the things of God. They believed in God. And if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then Seek to be the best parent that you can. Follow his word. Read good books. Uh, Elkdale's like all good churches offering classes from time to time. Studies and how to be a good parent. Take advantage of those opportunities. Take advantage of growing yourself and growing your children and all the opportunities the church offers. But also let me challenge you. Your kids are gone. Do you pray for your kids? They're out of the home, young marrieds. Are you praying for them? Are you praying for your grandchildren? Are you praying that they will know Jesus Christ? You have an opportunity of continuing to influence in the power of prayer. And what about here? Have you volunteered to help in the children's ministry, the preschool ministry, the student ministry? Have you volunteered to help in vacation Bible school? On and on, there are things that we can do in serving God and helping our families. And still influencing. Yours may be gone, but you still have influence. You still have power. You have experience. And God is still looking for people just like the right here at Elkdale to love on these preschool children and students and helping them to grow. Some of them don't have models. They don't have good examples. But you can be that model and example, and especially you men. Especially you men. God could use you to help be that model for a child. That is, maybe doesn't have it all at home yet, but you can be that influence in their life. Would you pray with me for a moment? Your heads are bowed, eyes are closed. You want a good, good family life. You want to understand parenting. Then prepare your children for life. Then protect them in the storms and point them to God. Husbands, I want you to understand something. You're the head of the home. Wives, you're the heart of the home. But our children are the hope of the home. When we follow God's plan, oh, it makes such a difference. It makes such a difference. It'll make a difference in the atmosphere of your home, in this community, in this church, in school. It'll make all the difference in the world. God's blueprint for family relations. Let's follow that blueprint. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful how you have guided us these recent weeks just to be reminded of your truth. And Father, it's, uh, it's like anything in life. We have to be reminded. We have to be encouraged. We have to look at your word. 
Father, there are many people who are blessed understanding that while their home has not been perfect and there have been the ups and downs, but they're thinking right now how blessed they have been and their families are blessed. Father, there are some of us here that have to, have to admit we've not been intentional and we're a little embarrassed. And actually, it's the Holy Spirit convicting us that, hey, we, we haven't been doing all we can do. We've got to do better. Help us to seek your word. And then, Father, there's some wonderful materials out there right now that can assist, that can help us be better parents. Father, it's never too late. Wherever we are, it's not too late. Our kids may be out of, out of the home. We can still pray. We can still influence with our words from time to time. And we can be volunteers right here at Elkdale and to help though the next generation that is coming along. Thank you for what you want to do and will do as we walk in faith with you day by day. Father, if there's someone here who has yet to make their commitment to Christ, to follow through with the public, follow the Lord in baptism, and become a growing member of the family of God, I pray this would be the day they say, yes, I'm not going to sit back any longer. I'm going to follow through with my commitment with my actions and serve. Help those who also, Father, are praying about a church home. Maybe there's somebody here who wants to, wants to become a part of this great family. They're Christians. They've been a part of other churches in the community or other communities or other cities. But now they know they can find a safe place right here, a gospel-teaching, preaching, gospel-believing church. May this be the day they make that decision as well. So bless this time, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.